I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, Rise Together listeners. Dave here. I am uh, coming out of hibernation-ish in this, my uh, first interview in uh, maybe seven ish weeks worth of time. And it is a good one. I got a chance to have a conversation today with my friend Gabby Bernstein. And I got to tell you, it feels like it was destined to happen today, just before the uh, end of what has been for me one of the most incredible times away uh, in my life. We get into it. But Gabby Bernstein has for 16 years been transforming lives, including her own. The number one New York Times bestselling author has penned nine books, including The Universe Has Your Back, Super Attractor, and her newest book, Happy Days. She was featured on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday as a next-generation thought leader, and the New York Times identified Gabby as a new role model. In her weekly podcast, Dear Gabby, she offers up real-time coaching, straight talk, and conversations about personal growth and spirituality, And she has grown over time to someone who gets to speak in front of sold-out venues throughout the world. The Oprah Winfrey Network chose Gabby to be part of Super Soul 100, a dynamic group of trailblazers whose vision and life's work are bringing a higher level of consciousness to the world. She co-hosted the Guinness World Records' largest guided meditation with Deepak Chopra and appears regularly as an expert on Today, Good Morning America, and other programs and publications. She connects with her community through her books, her miracle membership, and her podcast, Dear Gabby. I am unbelievably fortunate to also call her a friend. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the one and only Gabby Bernstein. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis. And I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. Gabby. Uh, this is the uh, first conversation that I've had with an outside human being in almost seven and a half weeks. Yes, my I, uh, love. Yeah. So uh, before we start, and I'm going to probably talk about it because I think there's something interesting in 
your decision to be unbelievably vulnerable mm -hmm. uh, that is contrast to my decision to completely step away from vulnerability altogether for mental health. But I am sitting in uh, a facility that has been life-altering in the eighth week of an eight-week outpatient program that is uh, unbelievable, but also was the byproduct of needing to absolutely 100% step away from all of my life to get my shit together. And so it's been great, but also unusual in every single way that I've ever, ever, ever known. So you're bringing me back in ish. I don't even know what back looks like, to be honest. Dave, first of all, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm so proud of me, which is also rad to feel for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. And I'm also very honored to be your first outside voice. And I hope that it, it will be very soothing for you to Thank you. be with me right now. And God's good. God has plans because everything that we're going to talk about today as it relates to this very vulnerable book is exactly what you're living and what many what I have lived. And I just am so profoundly moved that we get to go there in in IRL, right? Yeah, it's real. We experience this now. It is real. Yeah. What's interesting is I... <laughs> we might leave this in. I'm in this window of time where I keep reading this quote over and over that uh, to be lost is as legitimate a part of your process as is being found. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I find myself not totally sure what best serves whatever ends up being next just yet. Mm -hmm. And in a really weird way, I have always, like there's an almost impatience in the way that I've tried to approach building or serving or whatever that always has had to have a plan. Yeah. And here I am getting ready to come out of hibernation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly what next looks like. And yeah. I have peace with that for one of the first times in my entire life. And so, well, uh, you know, I know you're a man of prayer, right? And. Mm -hmm. I believe that the secret to prayer is to forget what you think you need. Mm. So when you give yourself the opportunity to not know, really that's an act of surrender, to not know what's next, to not know what's coming, to let go, free fall, and trust in what is. Yeah. The first book I read, first week, so to catch the listener up, if we in fact start where we did, and we might as well. Uh, I am talking to Gabby as one of the first outside humans that I've actually had any kind of uh, real contact uh, in any kind of capacity for now eight weeks worth of time. I'm in the eighth week of having stepped away completely from life mm. and in stepping away decided to spend time inside of this unbelievable environment where I'm surrounded every single day with professionals and other humans who are trying to reach for clarity or peace or understanding or whatever uh, around mental health, around addiction, around a whole host of things. And I have, the best way I can describe it is like I have been peeling an onion Yep. every week for eight weeks. I am in the eighth week. My last day is tomorrow. Mm. And what I thought coming into this was that I was peeling an onion, which by the way, every single layer like onions will make you cry, make you deal, whether it's attachment in relationships or the, my family of origin or not processed stuff from my divorce or whatever. 
Um, I thought I was peeling the onion. And as I was letting go of those layers or getting some closure with those layers or understanding those layers, that when I got to the inside, I was going to find me and I'd, there'd be this bright, shiny me. And there I was underneath all those layers. And what I've come to find at the end of this journey is a vacuum of sorts and an invitation for me to now, absent from the layers that I've peeled, define who I am outside of them, mm. which is exciting, but also in a world where I like predictability or certainty, it's a little daunting as I like return to my quote unquote normal life to get to decide who I am and how I'll be. And, and the, the idea of surrender, the, the first book I read in that first week was radical acceptance, mm. just accepting that this is a fact, in fact, a journey that I'm on that uh, may not have uh, road signs, as it were, to give me a heads up as to where it leads to necessarily and trusting that it leads to exactly where I need to be mm -hmm. is a part of this process. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to add to that, you've been on the journey. This is just another direction on the journey. This is a deeper dive in so that you can continue to come out new. You, you signed a contract in this lifetime to come in and feel big shit and use it for good. And so God gave you lots of obstacles so that you could do that work so that you could come out the other side because there is a commitment, there's devotion, there's a desire to feel free. And I can say the same for myself, you know, I'm, the journey doesn't end. I feel very much on the other side of that now, having experienced many traumas like what you're experiencing now, many, many bottoms in my life from addiction to remembering trauma to postpartum depression and suicidal ideation to right here, right now, feeling fucking awesome and free and have my face on the cover of a book that says the path to freedom and inner peace. Yeah. The path from trauma to freedom and inner peace. And so the reason I bring that up is that we go to these places that scare us so that we can keep coming out the other side. And the deeper we go with each gentle moment or, or sometimes not so gentle, <clears throat> we have this tremendous capacity to begin to get closer and closer to that safety within and to that security within ourselves and to that internal parent that can give us everything we didn't get before. And I, I really, I love this quote, this Amma quote, when an eggshell is cracked from the outside, it's broken, but when it's cracked from the inside, it's reborn. Ooh, gosh, that's good. That's a good word. Your book starts with a line that's also just kind of stuck with me in the midst of this journey. Um, you know, the decision to step away from life or social or every meaningful relationship in a way that inconveniences them is hard. It's just, it has been hard. Uh, but it's also one of the things I think I will have the most pride for, for having the courage to do something that I needed to, in some ways, save my life, change my life, make my life better. Um, you have this quote at the beginning of your book, I'm free from my past because I became brave enough to face the deeper reasons behind my suffering and fearlessly show up for healing. And on the days when the inconvenience to 
my ex-wife or my kids or my partner or um, myself and just what ends up being hard work digging into things that I've historically not liked to necessarily spend as much time sitting in the feeling of. Um, I keep coming back to like, man, at least have some pride for the willingness to dive in even when it sucks mm -hmm. or even as it's inconvenient. And I just, yeah. I appreciate that about you and the way that you've approached this book because the trauma in and of itself, you know, is a hard thing. But also some of the stories are stories of having inconvenience to the people that you care most about and how something beautiful grew from it. The courage that you have to go to the places that scare you is your greatest strength. And the greatest accomplishment in this lifetime is the bravery and the willingness to go there. So while you have created many credentials in your life and built up a lot of outside storylines, none of that fucking matters. Yeah. What is your greatest accomplishment in this lifetime is where you are right here, right now, and titrating slowly and safely into these experiences of your history that you want to restore and resolve and reprocess. So, bravo. Congratulations. Sometimes we have to inconvenience others so that we can save our soul. And trusting that this, this temporary inconvenience will be the greatest gift you give them as well. But yeah. you got to focus on yourself first. Yeah. I, you know, I've been an advocate of mental health for as long as I can remember. I've gone to therapy, but I don't want to say it was lip service because man, I definitely like leaned in, but I've never had an experience where I was as immersed and as engaged for a period of time as long as this. And I can remember when I first was uh, trying to figure out like what to do and where to go to help me in the way that I felt like I needed help most. The idea of committing to something for eight weeks at first seemed unbelievably too long. I just couldn't imagine what we could still have to talk about mm. eight weeks in. And here I am, right? It's, I mean, basically I'm in three therapy sessions a day, five days a week. Nice. And, oh, it's, I mean, and it That's is. Awesome. I kind of want to go. <laughs> uh, tr I mean, trust the thing is I wish everyone, and I mean, everyone had an opportunity to do something like this. There's, there's never been a shortage of something to process. There's never been a shortage of something to learn, even in, you know, hearing a story from someone else and how they're processing their own grief in their own divorce or their own trauma from their own relationship with their parent or whatever it might mean um, has brought insight that would not have been made available. But what's really kind of sat with me is that I think part of what has been beautiful in the length of time is that the attempt was to normalize sitting in discomfort with the feelings that come up in dealing with our trauma or yeah. our pain or our, our you know, self-loathing or whatever it might be for long enough outside of the way that we might traditionally distract ourselves or mute that pain such that it becomes something that you now have created a habit around. Like I have a, an ability in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily thought I wanted to develop, but man, I am so grateful for having it that says, you can sit in discomfort. You can have that pain in your solar plexus when you feel super uncomfortable having to think about this thing and you know you can handle it for days on days. 
in a way that when it comes up, because of course it's going to come up when I'm not surrounded by all of the great support that happens to exist inside of this amazing outpatient thing I'm doing, um, that says, hey, you can handle it. You can handle it without reaching for a drink. You can handle it without mm-hmm. distracting yourself with workaholism. You can handle it without thinking you got to show up online in some certain way. You can handle it. Yeah. And that has been just such a gift. I mean, such a gift. I couldn't have imagined it. You know, I want to tell a story to you that may give you a, a great sense of pride in what you're going through. So <clears throat> when I was 36 years old in 2016, I had probably like six or seven books under my belt. I'd been on Oprah. I had built up a big uh, a big business that was really supporting and serving a lot of people. I was probably 11 years sober at that time, but I was really dying on the inside, seriously struggling with workaholism, cracking, 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 running, 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 and doing really good work. So it was like this, this, this really strange thing of people sort of praising me for this great work and for then believing and knowing that the work was profound and that I was so elevated in it, but at the same time, burning myself out because I was running, 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 and unaware of what I was running from unaware of why I was a cocaine addict at the 11 years earlier, why I was now a workaholic. And then I started cracking and having real big meltdowns and breakdowns and meltdowns and breakdowns. And my mantra at the time was, I can't go on like this. <clears throat> Sound familiar? Yeah. Very, very familiar. Yeah. And so then I had a dream. And in the dream, I was an adult confronting being sexually abused as a child. And when I woke up from that dream, it was so real that I was like, no way, push that down, never touching that ever again. When a few days later, I was in my therapy and she asked me some leading questions and started opening up some awareness. And in that moment, I really remembered and accepted that this did indeed happen. And while that was the most terrifying moment of my life, it began my deep dive inward. It was the moment of accepting that this wasn't just a journey of personal growth and spiritual development, but it was a journey of recovering from trauma. And that day and years that pat, that followed it, even you know several months in particular that followed it were really, 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 really tough and really hard. But I built up the team around me. I became, I was brave enough to go there. And now here in 2022, I could write the book about it and share the guided path from trauma to healing and inner peace. And so I share that with you because when we, but this is the, this is the message for you. I said to my therapist, I said, why am I remembering now? And she said, because you're safe enough in your system to remember. Wow. And so I'm going to say the same thing to you. While it may not be a a memory, it may be that you're facing into things you just haven't touched on ever before, Right. So you may have known they were there, but you didn't want to go there. But why you're going there now, why you had this bottoming out now, this cracking open now, is because you've done so much work to get to the presence of safety to really know that you could carry on and that you could go deeper. Makes me want to cry a little bit. Uh, I, I resonate so much, I, so much um, with the idea of running Running, I'll just get as a for literally example. running, you know, you're literally running, <laughs> no, but literally running. It's, it's an interesting thing because in the aftermath of divorce, the first thing I did was put on my shoes and run like almost like a crazy person. I mean, maybe literally like a crazy person. I ran mm-hmm. like 
250 miles in that first month. Mm -hmm. And what I can see is that the running and then the pouring myself into writing a next book and then, oh, I'm going to do a documentary and then I'll, uh, I'll do a kid's book and then I'll make sure that there's a men's event. And I like everything, it came from a very good place of, man, I legitimately was interested in serving, but it also was like, I'm going to outrun this pain. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard enough to not have to really sit that often by myself to handle the things that I don't want to have to deal with in the pain and the trauma of the divorce or the way that the couple years of crazy building ended up feeling. And like, there were just, there were things and I was like, oh, I'm going to outrun these things. And it's interesting because there was something in like 18 months post-divorce where things were working. And I think because they were working and I hadn't yet processed things, I resonate with this idea of like, oh, you're ready to deal with this stuff now. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because of how busy you are, you won't wake up to the fact that you need to deal with it until the foundation that was never reinforced with some, you know, rebar mm -hmm. um, crumbles and you fall and you are, you know, kind of forced to your knees to have to get back up. And um, it's a big part of why, again, as I'm like getting ready to transition back into the quote unquote real world, this question of like, what's next? Like I'm having to work against a lot of muscle memory as an achiever who's always kind of run fast and poured himself into doing um, the exercise of being still is something that's forced in the environment that I'm in right now. Hmm. And so I'm going to try and carry that into what's next so that I don't make the mistake of learning as much as I feel like I have in these eight weeks and then discarding it immediately so that I can get back into a, a full throttle run that <laughs> might distract me from whatever is meant to be revealed. And it's going to probably be hard. I have some really beautiful guidance for you right now. So <clears throat> the runner, let's call him, I don't know if it's a male, but I think it would be, we all have these different, we all have these different parts of ourselves. And this is what I'm referencing right now is internal family systems therapy, which I've most recently. I had. love. You love IFS. Okay, great. Well, I just got the, I'm, I'm now trained in IFS. So I'm here for you at any time. Thank you. And we have all these different parts of ourselves and these parts are protector parts that, that protect us from feeling the impermissible feelings that you've been so brave enough to start to touch into in the last eight weeks. And then we all have, so we have exiled parts that we run from literally. And in your case, one of your protectors is the runner, right? And then there's the worker and then there's whatever, you know, you have other parts, but there one is we've already identified the work, the overworker and the runner. And inside all of us is also what is known as self. And self is the undamaged adult resource part of who we are that does not have the baggage, that does not have the suffering, that is just love, compassion, curiosity, calmness, committed, connected, all these be curious. And so what I would love to, to give you right now is a chance to create a relationship with the runner and self and yourself. If you if you're open to that, I don't know if you want your fifth therapy session for the day. Yeah, no. Oh man. <laughs> Why not? I'll We're in it, it all all day long. So, I don't want to name. I don't want to name the part for you, but which feels most like to serve you the best right now? Which part of you do you feel most sort of afraid of right now, or stuck in right now, or worried about coming up when you get out of here? I I mean, so much of my 
my feeling worthy or loved has been connected to the way that I have achieved over time. And so the runner is like the emissary for the ambassador for, I'm going to go out and do these things, Dave, so that we can show them that you are worthy of love so that you can connect to and feel loved. And that relationship, um, unfortunately or fortunately has worked well over time because I have been able to achieve, but in the absence of achievement, connecting to love or self-loving self has been a thing that's been harder. I'm going to stop you. So let's just tune in. Let's not even talk about it. Let's just feel about it. So, Mm -hmm. so the, the runner, we're willing to work with the runner. I got some in here. Okay. So the runner, just check in with your body. Maybe close your eyes and just notice where that part of you lives and where if you might feel anything or if you see a color or have a sensation, just notice what you notice. Yeah, same place in my chest, just but like just above my belly button. Yeah. Okay. Is there a gender? Uh, no. Hmm. Though I always have, I've always historically identified parts as male, but okay, there you doesn't go. necessarily. Yeah. So I'll say okay. male. Yeah. So it's a male part. Okay. Does this male part, the runner, have an age? Uh, younger. It's like my. 22-year-old, 23-year-old self. 22, 23. Perfect. Okay. Any images that come to mind? Any thoughts? Any Anything that, that you notice? Anything that you need to check in with here? No, I mean, the, the, the image that I see is this image of like, I'm going to take over the world version of me, like a confident, but also like arrogant, like I'll show them. Okay, cool. How do you, Dave this beautiful resourced soul with me right now. How do you feel towards the runner? How do you feel towards him? A mix. Like, I want to say like, man, you're going to go do all the things that runners do. And also I want to tell him he doesn't have to run. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Does he know that you're here? Hmm. It's a good question. I don't know. Hmm. Does he know I'm here? Hmm. Yeah, now he does. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I just want to extend a lot of uh, love and compassion to the runner right now and just major acknowledgement for his bravery to, to visit us and to connect with us in this way. And I just want him to feel my, <clears throat> my genuine compassion for him. I understand him. Mm. I had one myself. I have a runner myself. Let me ask him... <clears throat> If he was in, if he didn't have to run so hard and be in such an extreme role, what else would he be doing? Mm, goodness. He only knows how to run. I mean, that's the, that, like, that's the thing that comes to me. I don't know. I don't know what that he knows a role. Be doing? What would he want to be doing? Well, I mean, I think he wants to try and help me, protect me, you know, serve, you know, his, his role in my life is to afford me love. It's just unfortunately a weird way of delivering it. So if he didn't have to protect you, he didn't have to protect you and he knew that he was safe with you, that you were safe and that you were protected. What would he be doing instead? What would he want to be doing? I'd like to think that he would be enjoying the back patio 
with some music and relaxing. Right on. Beautiful. Yeah. Can you just close your eyes for a moment and just visualize the back patio? You're there. Music's playing. And you invite him to join you. Just let me know what you notice about that and what you what it looks like, what it feels like, anything you notice. I mean, this is so terrible. <laughs> I noticed that I haven't been there to make everything look good. So I'm actually going to ask the runner to go tidy up before we can even enjoy it. And that is a terrible thing to even like have pop in my mind. But like the lounge chairs aren't <laughs> ordered. Okay. Okay. So let's settle back into the perfect patio. It already okay. looks perfect. It's absolutely, it's done. It's settled. There's a chair waiting for him. Can you see yourself with him right now? Yep. Anything else that you notice? It's just peaceful. Peaceful. Nice. Yeah. How do you feel towards him right now? Uh, bizarrely compassionate. Yeah. Like, I want to hug him. Can you visualize yourself hugging him? Yeah. Yeah. How does he feel towards you right now? Seen. Yes. Would you be open to making a commitment to him that you'll you'll bring him back to this perfect patio? Yeah. Post him and hug him? Yeah. When you notice him wanting to run? I will. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Holy goodness. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. You did a beautiful job and you did it, you know, it's so profound when it, when it's happening and it's working, because when you said, I feel compassion towards him, the number one quality of self energy is compassion. Yeah. And so that compassion towards him was a very clear sign to me that your self energy was present with him. Mm. And he's a young protector part that probably showed up way before you were even 20, but really became prominent in your twenties. And he's been protecting you, protecting you. And what you've just showed him is that you have an internal parent. You are the internal parent and you can actually yeah. take care of him. It's interesting. I, there's been so many, I mean, so many profound, I've seen it. I can't unsee it moments in this odyssey, but the, the one question that has man just stood out from just one of the smartest doctors, O psychiatry in the history of time we were playing this game of word association. She would name somebody that's important in my life. And I was meant to just say the first thing that came to my mind. So say my dad, my mom, Rachel, whatever. First thing that comes to your mind. And then she said, your inner child, or that little boy inside of you. And the, the words that came to my mouth, and it was immediate, was listen to me. Mm. And... It made me, I just, I like, I burst into tears in a way that like, I just have not cried in a long time, but I, um, I've just been on, I've been on this like onion peeling odyssey to try and find a way to connect to this self, whether it's, you know, an inner child or otherwise in a way that can let me see that child but can let me hear and listen to that child and I in a crazy way 
you know, in a way that like, I hope I'm, I'm trying to not be so judgmental of myself of like, why haven't you been listening? You know, like, cause my first instinct is like, oh, you should have been listening. Why wouldn't you listen? This None of us you know, have been listening, sweetheart. Yeah. We've all been running in our own ways. Yeah. And the running in a crazy way is complicit in the inability to hear. <laughs> and so they're, they end up, of course, being connected. So the part that wants to be seen and heard, all you have to do is notice him and send him love and compassion. Yeah. Get curious about him because he wants yeah. to be seen, right? So what if he just got curious? It's like, okay, man, what do you want me to know about you? What do you need to tell me? Yeah. It's so strange. The achiever in me too. Like my immediate reaction to this uh, revelation was, okay, so what is the checklist for hearing or listening well? And she just laughed and was like, Dave, it's going to happen on a walk. It's going to happen at the, at the time when you might not even be expecting it. You just have to be attuned or open or willing or intentional about listening. And I'm like, okay, but no, no, no. The checklist is, is the thing I'm looking for. And she's just like, that's not how this works, man. There isn't a path that you get to go down and, and it unlocks it like a board game. It's something that happens because of an interest in, or an, an interest and an awareness of it being a thing that you need and that it needs. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So here I am walking, you know, sometimes, you know, for very long periods of time, just in a posture of listening and not like listening to music, but literally just, walking and um and there's been healing in that too who knew you know of course everyone knows but I, i'm learning it it's like it's, as a parent it's actually really profound because in in happy days i have a whole chapter about reparenting yourself and it combines ifs with some of the methods of dr dan siegel who i'm sure you're familiar with as a parent and dan siegel's work is really about seeing the child and really seeing them for all their emotions and soothing. And he has something called the four S's, which is to be seen, safe, soothed, and secure. Mm. As I was applying these with my son, Oliver, who's three, I started to realize, wait, what if I use these four S's on myself? So when you notice the, uh, the runner show up or another part that's so vulnerable that just wants to, you want to run over, right? Take a moment to just ask it, how can how can I see you? What do you need to be soothed? Yeah. Make you feel safe. And that's how you'll help him be secure. I love it. You mentioned this book. We should talk about this book. It we is, have been, we actually have been talking about it. We have been talking about I'll it. I'll tell you why, because every single thing that you are living right now is proof that this inner work is the most profound work of our lifetime. Yeah. And it took me, I was joking, it took me 42 years to write this book because it took me my lifetime to really get to this place, this current lifetime to get to the place where I was safe enough to really go to these places to bring this forth. And in, in the cracking and the cracking and all the bottoms along the way, I was cracked open to the presence of my own desire, much like yours, to become free. And I was going to be willing to do whatever it took to get there. And use every privilege I had just to get the therapy I needed. And you know what? There's no, there's no shame in that, right? Mm -hmm. And and to, and that's also for the the listener who's like, I don't have the ability to go away for eight weeks, or I don't have the therapy. Well, I that's why I wrote this book because 
okay, if I'm going to have these support systems in my life, I have to become that support system for others. These words. In the guidance of this book, I share my journey of what it means to survive and thrive from trauma. And every single one of us has trauma, trauma with a big T, trauma with a small T, and it's going to take us down ultimately if we don't actually look at it. And we're living in such a horrific time with so much more trauma on in such a heightened way that a lot of those exiled traumas are getting very activated because we are not feeling safe in the world. So there's never been a greater moment in time for us to begin to do the inner work and to build up the arsenal of, of, of support system and and spiritual practice and therapeutic practices so that we can actually self-soothe and reparent and care for our inner children. And so that this entire conversation is just profound proof that not only is this what we all need, the human condition, we all need this kind of message now, but that we need a guided path. If you've literally been on an eight-week guided path, it's going to change you forever and you're going to take it home with you and you're going to keep applying it. And like I said earlier, I mean, everybody has the privileges that you and I have had to have like every, you know, therapist on speed dial and like, you know, spiritual teachers on speed dial and whatever, right? So that's where this this type of material comes in for somebody is that this is the journey. This is my path. And in my path, you'll recognize that you are not alone. So you'll feel the release of shame and the release of your self-judgment and attack, knowing you're not alone. And then you'll be able to take a deep breath and say, oh, there's the plan that works. There's a path. My path might look different than the reader's, but it's my path is laid out so that it can inspire the reader to dip in and dip out and find that therapy that, you know, if it's SE or if it's IFS or if it's EMDR and all these different acronyms (laughs) that you can learn about here to know that there is recovery and that there's support systems. And then inside the book, all the methods that are going to guide you in the moment. Yeah. I'm blown away, blown away by where you go in the book in terms of your vulnerability. I mean, it's, um, it's interesting because like vulnerability has certainly been part of what my life has been about and kind of sharing a lot about everything. Um, felt like it kind of tipped a little bit for me into something that wasn't as good for me as it had historically felt like it was. Mm-hmm. And so as I, you know, I've not been on social media for seven weeks and I, and I don't know that I'll return. Yeah. Uh, and if I do, it will really certainly be place right now anyway. So yeah. Well, <laughs> but it, but, but it's, it's an interesting thing because I, and, and the thing is I, if I do return, certainly it will be in a different way because the way that I was, being vulnerable as it were, um, was having a bad effect on my mental health. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't serving. And I, and I, I just appreciate that you found yourself at a place where you could share these stories because they're important and they are an empathy bridge to anyone who picks the book up for sure. And also it requires that you are in a good place, a really good place to be able to share them. And this is a really important point because there's definitely parts of my career where I was vulnerable, maybe too vulnerable at times. So, and I wasn't in the seat of my own security to be there. And that's why I knew I couldn't write this book until I was on the other side. Yeah. So there's, it, there's profound beauty and, and grace in being vulnerable. And it's a gift that we give others, but we want to make sure that we're in the seat of our own solution before we share that vulnerability with others. So real. All right. We're running out of time. 
So I want to offer you an opportunity to gift this audience with a single thing that you think they need most today, whether it's related to the book or not. It could be a a thought, a quote, an idea, a comment, a takeaway, something that might afford them peace or a breakthrough. What is the single Gabby thing that somebody listening today desperately needs? Okay, so place your right or left hand on your heart, whichever hand feels most soothing for you, and then your other hand on your belly. You can test out both hands, seeing which feels best, but likely the first one you did is the best for you. And just take a deep breath in and close your eyes if you're not driving. And just tell yourself in all of your parts and all the ways you've been protecting yourself, say thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for working so hard to keep me safe. I have so much compassion for you. I'm so committed to you. I'm here for you. And I accept you and I love you and I'm committed to helping you feel safe. Just take that in and let that go. I love you. I think we should do this every day. Call it at the same exact time. And I will slowly buy you a boat in exchange like I do my therapist. Um, you are amazing, Gabby. It's, um, it's not funny, but the last interview we did was when you had just gotten divorced. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? A moment, yeah. And you know, then you were in the runner and now you're in the survivor and the thriver right now. Yeah. You know? It'll be... Um, and this is what's, what's wild. I, I was going back and forth with a buddy yesterday who also happens to work in the space that we do. And I, I am so connected to hope. Mm-hmm. And I also don't know what, um, what form it takes. And that's never been something that's happened before. Right. I've always had to know what it was to have hope for it. Right. And um, Have hope for peace, for inner peace. And the thing is, I do. I, I mean, I I really, really do. Um, I also, you know, have hope for you know, this experience is coming to an end tomorrow. And I believe that it is about 25% of the way done in that I think a good three quarters of what I'm going to get out of this time that I have gifted myself reveals itself over the next however many months, years of time as I continue to unpack and process the things that I've been able to see. And there's a lot of hope that comes in that because of what I've already been able to experience in a short period of time. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Gabby, if people who are listening are not yet uh, diehard fans and followers of yours, where do you send people on the interwebs to uh, Mm -hmm. to learn more about you, know you, stalk you, where? Well, you can go to DearGabby.com to find out more about me, get the book wherever you get buy your books, if you feel called. And I have a podcast called Dear Gabby, where I workshop people just like I do with you today, uh, with a lot of love and compassion and a uh, very open heart. And I hope to be of service in any way that I can. And I hope that someone that's still listening right now, if they're still listening, that they hear me say that I'm proud of you, because by listening to this conversation, it means you're brave enough to go to these places with us and We are proud of you. Wow. Thank you, Gabby. Gabby's book is called Happy Days. It's just out. So rush to support her. And uh, having read this book, I guarantee it. It's 100% guarantee. You will see parts of yourself in her story. In seeing those parts, you will have something in belief of your own ability to get through 
and past your own trauma. Uh, Gabby, I love you. I appreciate you so much. This was a fantastic way to uh, reconnect with a human being outside of this space. Mm -hmm. It could not have been better. So thank you for being so gentle and generous with your time. I appreciate it. What an honor. Thank you. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company. 